Well, let me welcome back Kevin Luco here. And, and, and Kevin, uh, right now as we're talking here, the Minnesota Wild taking on the Winnipeg, uh, Winnipeg Jets. I was going to say Gold Eyes. I'm, I'm still in baseball mode here. But, uh, but, uh, but Kevin, man, uh, Minnesota looking really good over here. Finished out that home, street, uh, home stand of four games, winning all those contests, and went down to Anaheim. Uh, got a victory there. Lost at San Jose before the Christmas break, but winning against Winnipeg here tonight. This club really starting to finally get some things going here. They are, and it's um, a lot of it has just been playing very good in their own end. That's been the most noticeable thing. Is this team's not giving up many goals, and generally they're not leaving the goaltenders hung out to dry. And frankly, in the few times in which you have. Um, um, Philip Gustafson and Mark Andre Fleury have been up to the task, so it's been a really nice stretch of hockey for this club, and I think we're finally seeing the team that we were expecting when the season began in October. Now, about a month ago, you talked about there was a. It looked like there was a a, tra- a change in strategy by the coaching staff a little bit. To be, they were giving up too many goals. They weren't winning those six five games. And, and that they needed to be tougher in their own end. That, that four-game homestand, if you take the, the 3 nothing victory over Vancouver on the road before they get home, then they give up one against Edmonton, one against Detroit, one against Chicago, two against Ottawa, and then one against Anaheim once uh, they get back on the road. So you're looking at six goals in six games. I mean, that, that is, that's an impressive turnaround for this club. That I just, To be honest with you, I, I didn't see them being able to play that kind of defensive style that they really bought into it though. And I think that you make a good point there with the buy-in part of it, because, you know, the bodies haven't changed. It's Bill Guerin didn't go out and make a bunch of trades. It's been the core group. Granted, you got guys that are in and out of the lineup. Now you've got Marcus Foligno. Looks like he's going to be out for a little while, but Matt, Ryan Hartman's back in the lineup, so it's uh, going to be uh, interesting to see with this team going up against some tougher competition now in the next couple of weeks, um, how they're going to come out of that. Um, good start tonight, obviously up 3-1 to one after two periods of Winnipeg. Hope I'm not jinxing them, but it was a homestand that they did need to sweep. Um, Chicago, Detroit, Ottawa, does, it's not the best competition, but, you know, as our friend uh, on our other podcast uh, likes to say, they they wear uniforms too, so you still got to go out and do the work. And Other than that little hiccup in San Jose, that's, I think that's one thing you can say about the Wild is they're doing the work right now. You know, I, I wonder, Kevin, so you can give us your, your hockey insight here, is that when you you have call-ups between the Iowa Wild and and the Minnesota Wild, where you're you're having to make some changes because of injuries, and um, is it easier to to integrate those guys coming up from Iowa if you're focused more defensively than trying to be a little more freewheeling and 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 end to end? Is it easier to implement that with guys who are who are just coming in trying to learn the system? Well, I think you what you got between Iowa and Minnesota is a system in which the two teams generally play a similar style of hockey, so I don't think the players coming up 
have to make a ton of uh, changes. And what's been good too is that guys that have been have been called up. There are enough guys now that have played in Iowa that are there to help out these young guys, whether it be or learning little things in the NHL or just you know you've got guys like Connor Dewar and Mason Shaw that. You know, Dewar was up quite a bit last year. Now he's taking on a bigger role this year. But then Mason Shaw comes up. Well, those two are line meets in Iowa, so you got the familiarity factor right there, and it just makes it a lot easier for these guys to acclimate themselves to the NHL style of game, and I think that's why you're seeing some of the positive results right now. You know, it's funny because the last time we we, we uh, talked, um, you were, I was asking you if, if Gustafson had maybe earned more playing time, and you were talking about everybody's favorite guy as the back of Coley. And then there was a story out that was running the, the Star Tribune, it looked like, uh, you know, kind of talking about maybe Gustafson deserves to get at least equal time with, with Flurry at this point. Uh, Flurry's looks sensational in his last three starts, uh, three goals in each of those, one goal in each of those games. Um is Gustafson going to get a lot more playing time with this team, or how do you see that playing out? Well, I think as you're getting into the meat of the season, too, where you're getting more back-to-backs, I think you'll see Gustafson playing more often than those. It seems, you know, the observations made by the local media that Gustafson's also being fed games against some lesser opponents, too, where they know he's gonna. it's going to be easy for him to have some success and carry that on to the next game, too. So I think he's proving that he's getting comfortable with his new team, and he could be a very, very effective goalie when they need him. He gave up four goals in the loss to San Jose, but had given up three total in his previous three games. So Yeah, he was left out to dry a lot in San Jose, too, if... um, if there was a game lately where you just want to take the game tape and throw it in the garbage, I think it would have been the San Jose game. It seemed like the team was looking forward a little bit too much to the holiday break where San Jose was a more desperate team at the time. So they enter into the Christmas break, Kevin, 19-12-2, and two, tied for third place with Colorado. Uh, a club that all of a sudden looks like they're, you know, all of the pieces are starting to finally come together. I thought that break kind of came at a bad time for them, to be honest with you. But um, look, look a lot better than what we have seen recently. And as you as you see them heading forward now, uh, as you talk about the the they're leading Winnipeg. They have Dallas on Friday night, then or excuse me Thursday night, and then welcomes or then travel to St. Louis. Tough week ahead for this club, but division opponents. So what are you looking for the team during the week here? And, you know, there's a point made today, too, that there has not been a lot of divisional games for Minnesota thus far this season. So I think we'll I think we'll see uh, we'll have a little bit of more of a barometer on exactly how this team is gonna stack up in the central by the time this week is over with. Yeah get a Dallas team that's playing very good hockey right now. But Minnesota beat them earlier this year down in Dallas and have generally played them very well in St. Paul. So I can see them coming out with a good result that night. 
St. Louis seems to be a team Minnesota can't seem to handle very well. St. Louis has been a very streaky team this season. But it never seems like the wild play St. Louis and St. Louis is struggling. It always seems they catch St. Louis at the wrong time, and it looks like looks like um, that might be the case again on Saturday night as the Blues are playing better hockey. Jordan Bennington seems to be seems to be settling down a little bit after being shaky earlier this year. So it'd be tough to tough to go down there and, and get points, but they just gotta remember what's been what's been um, giving them some wins in the last um, few weeks and just try to play your own game and see what happens. You know, you're, you're talking about having played a lot of games within their division. Practically all of January, with the exception of one game against St. Louis and one game against Arizona, are teams out east. I, I found that scheduling kind of interesting for them. You know, games of Philadelphia, uh, you're traveling to New York to play on both those teams and Buffalo as well, going, going to Washington, Carolina, Florida, Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay comes to St. Paul. Very interesting schedule for this team. I, I, how do you think that benefits or hurt this club with so many Eastern Division opponents like that? Generally, though, with the NHL schedule, if it's reciprocal where a lot of those teams that are coming in St. Paul in January will also make stops in Chicago or St. Louis or Winnipeg also. So I don't think there's any effect either way with that. You know, it's something every team in the division will be going through. Well, I think that's going to be a very interesting month for them. Uh, I think a lot of people are going to be talking about, you know, trying to be positive about a potential Stanley Cup matchups out there. So, uh, you know, I realize that's a long way to go, but you're going to get to see some talent of teams that you might be facing when it comes to that point of the year. And Tampa Bay is obviously going to have a, uh, you know, a, a talk. Carolina is going to be a team people are going to be touting about. The Rangers are having a pretty good season. Washington, Florida. So, you know, maybe you are looking at a, a potential, I guess, uh, Stanley Cup playoff out there. Well, this is Minnesota. Let's get through round one first, and then we'll go from there. <laughs> I agree with you. Let's drop down to the Iowa Wild, Kevin, who, man, had two big victories in Rockford, then come home and drop five straight heading into the Christmas break. And, that, and unfortunately, are going to have two against Colorado coming this week as the Eagles come to town. This team is really hard to figure out, Kevin. I, I you know, we we talked about the Minnesota Wild were having trouble playing at home and, and winning games. This this Iowa Wild team just cannot get it together on their own home rink. I don't get it. It's been pretty frustrating to see, too, as when you're in a market like Iowa where there's just so many other sports going on, you have to you have to I don't want to say put on a show for the home crowd because I think sometimes then you get away from what you need to do to win games. But if they're going to have crowd support down there, they have to start winning some games in front of them to get people to come back. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if they're a little too comfortable when they get home or what, but they just have not been the results from Wells Fargo Arena like we would be hoping for. One of the biggest problems for this team has just been the ability, the inability to shut down opposing power plays. Manitoba scores two power play goals on uh, in the first game of that two-game set. 
They come away with two more, three more, excuse me. Oh, it was two more. I'm sorry. Two more uh, in the second game. It, it, it's just right now, special teams has been a spot where Coach Tim Army has just been really good. But this club is just struggling to shut down that opponent power play right now. Is that a, a struggle that's occurring because guys are moving up and down between Minnesota and Iowa so you don't get that kind of consistency on your top penalty killing unit? Or is, are teams just figuring something out about Iowa and they're beating them with that? I don't think there's been a lot of player movement that would affect the penalty kill. It could be a thing where maybe they just need to try some different personnel out there. That could be a thing, and maybe there's not the depth right now because you don't want to be playing your front-line guys on the power play and on the penalty kill because then you're wearing out your top-end players, and maybe your guys on your third, fourth line aren't suited for penalty kill action. So, you know, it's a, a lot of a lot of factors that go into it. Tough performance by both McIntyre and uh, Wallstead in those games. Uh, gave up five uh, in the in the opening loss, a 5-3 loss to Manitoba on Wednesday. Then Friday they gave up four goals and a 4-3 to loss. Um, Volstead, I thought, looked a lot better on, on Friday night than McIntyre did on Wednesday, but you know, st- same result, a, a, a 0-5 in their last five games here at home. Colorado coming to town, Eagles maybe the best team in the AHL right now. Um, this could be a very tough end, end of the year here as this club's trying to get things going. They're definitely not catching Colorado at the right time, that's for sure. That's, you know, You'd like to catch them as, as you're playing good hockey yourselves and not um, looking to try to break a slump. So, But maybe that will be the, the kind of games that will get their attention back and get them focused on what they need to do to start winning some games before they start dropping too far in the standings. Iowa Wild 11, 13, and 4. They are in fifth place in the Central Division, uh, currently seven points behind Rockford, who is in fourth. The Colorado Eagles at 18, 8, and 2. They have the top record in the Pacific Division. Uh, the team is 6, 3, and 1 in their last 10. They are rolling right now. So going to be a tough week for sure. Speaking of tough weeks, Kevin, the <laughs> Iowa Heartlanders had a, a bit of a – after playing very well against Kalamazoo, I, I, I thought that they looked exceptionally well in those three games where they were at home. Travel to Kansas City before the Christmas break. Come away with one goal in each of those contests. They're in both games, you know. And I think right now we're just talking about this team trying to find ways to to stay relevant in a lot of these contests. And I, and I think they're they're doing that part of it at least. And you take that as a positive sign too that they're, as you said, staying relevant, but. At some point, you gotta you have to start winning some games and start figuring some stuff out with your personnel. And if you think you need to make some moves? Well, it's the ECHL. That's a, that seems to pretty much be a daily thing. So it'll be interesting to see what direction the Heartlanders will go in as they come back from holiday break. So Wednesday night, uh, scoreless tie <clears throat> through the first period. Luke Morgan scores twice in the second. Iowa able to cut that deficit down to one when Zach White scores an even strength goal at 14:43. But two empty net goals in the last 118 give Kansas City the 4-1 victory. 
clearly the, the score is not indicative of how close this contest was. Got a great performance out of Hunter Jones, who looked very good for this team right now. And, and, um, and I feel like he's finally putting things together for this club. <clears throat> Excuse me. Stopped 19 of 21 shots. Uh, played very well for the team. I, 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 you know, we've been talking about that they needed to maybe say to this guy, hey, look, you're, you're going to be our guy. We're, we're going to have you in net for most of these nights. We're asking you to go out and prove yourself. And, and I feel like he's stepping up to that challenge right now. It's been encouraging to see it. You know, as a guy that's a second-round pick, it's somebody the organization has invested a high draft pick and probably some decent money into developing. So it would be nice to see a return on investment, so to speak. On Friday night, they lose. Um, Jeremy McKenna scores twice in that contest, one in the first period. His other goal comes at 625 of the third Again, great performance by Jones. The team looked pretty solid out there. Tyler Bush scores a power play goal at 919 to cut the deficit in half, but just could not get enough in this contest. Uh, no, no fault about Jeremy McKenna there, by the way. I mean, the guy was player of the week heading into these games and, and had a phenomenal week for the Kansas City Mavericks. So, you know, you're losing out to a guy on a hot streak right there, unfortunately, and, and Kansas City getting great goaltending on top of it. So, um Unfortunately, two losses is where you're at. And, and this right now, this Kevin, this club is just trying to figure things out. 6-12-7, uh, six points behind Wheeling as they t- come into this week here. And they're going to have on Kansas City for some more games here as they're trying to uh, start for Friday and Saturday down there in Kansas City to take on the Mavericks for two more games before returning home the following week to take on Indy. Now you're going to start to see a lot of in-division games with the exception of Kansas City a couple more times. But otherwise, they're going to play a lot of Toledo and Indy and, and Kalamazoo and Fort Wayne. So if you're looking for an opportunity to start making a splash and do something, you're going to get your chance here in January. Did I read right that they drove to Kansas City and played on, in the same day? If I believe case, so, yeah. If that's the case, that's... That's showing me in the ownership that's uh, more interested in saving a few bucks as opposed to an organization that wants to have their team well rested to play a big game, big pair of games against a rival. Because I mean, heck, we even see that with American Association baseball, where they at least get into the town the after playing at night, they get in the town the previous morning, at least get some time rest in the hotel as opposed to riding a bus for so many hours and hopping out and playing a game, especially hockey players where you have to rely so much on your legs. You, you know, I, I understand that Kansas City is a five, five-and-a-half-hour drive from Coralville, okay? So it's not a massive drive or something to get to independence, I should say, to be accurate. Uh, but still, you know, if you left out even at 5 or 6 o'clock in the morning, you're getting there at 11 o'clock, and then – you know, usually these teams have a skate through in the morning time. I don't know how you're doing that when you just got on the bus that all of a sudden, hey, we're going to have a skate. Now I want you to go back and rest for an hour or two and then get back out here to the ring and go again. You know, that that's not the best of ways to try to go out and win games. I'll give the team credit in the world. They went out there and played a heck of a game despite that. But, um, you know, like you said, the ownership looking to go a little cheap here, I think, Kevin. That's the message they sent to me. I mean, I really I hope I'm wrong on the whole thing, but it just the optics of it doesn't look good. 
No, especially when you had a few days off leading up to that, too. You know, it's not like you were in Indy or something and you're, you're traveling to try to get there. So, again, we don't really know all the details of why they decided to go that way or something like that, but uh, not the right kind of look that you want, that, that, that's for sure. Well, Kevin, uh, uh, right now they, it looks like just the Minnesota Wild are kind of playing up there, up to the potential out here. The other two clubs in the system struggling right now. As we look forward to this week, uh, what, what, what's kind of your top story? What are you looking for out of the system this week? I think the I think the top story's got to be with the big club and uh, how are they going to match up with teams in the central division where it's they're just really big games where when you're you're gaining two points on the team teams that are in front of you. So it's just huge for this team to play good hockey and try to make some noise within the division and further bolster their confidence. For Iowa, you know, like we talked about, it's a matter of um, reestablishing, uh, reestablishing your game on home ice and giving the fans something to cheer about and come back to see again. And for Heartlanders, um, matter go now and just um, uh, find your game, winning some games, and getting back into the playoff chase. Well, Kevin, as we're heading into the New Year's here, uh, if I remember correctly, the Winter Classic was last year or the year before at Target, or Target Field? Uh, just last year. Last year. And despite unbelievably cold, record cold temperatures and Kevin not feeling well, he was out there enjoying the game in person. So, so Kevin, give it, for fans out there, what's, a, what's outdoor game, NHL contest, Better cold like for for fan to enjoy. The cold was absolutely miserable. If you don't have people surrounding you, it is just you just it doesn't matter how many layers you got on, you are cold and miserable because you're not up and moving around and that's a huge issue. As far as you know, if that night if it would have been like twenty five degrees out, it would have just been perfect because surprisingly where the way the the rink was set up where your um goals kind of ran from out beyond first and third base you could actually see the game pretty well like in the upper deck if you were upper deck center ice so that wasn't an issue it, the the issue was just the whole trying to deal with the weather thing but and, you know, it was even worse having it at night. But, you know, and you, you could spread this to NFL football. I was talking with my father-in-law about this. It just seems like, you know, NFL, NHL, it's like they want to have that picturesque game with uh, with a little side story about how cold it is or if it starts snowing. They want it to look good on TV as opposed to, having it comfortable for the fans that pay the big money to come out and watch it. So to me, I, I will, I will not go to another winter classic game again, unless I get like last minute tickets and know the weather's going to be decent for it because I don't, you know, no matter how good the view is, if you're, if you're not comfortable sitting there, it's just not a, not a good thing for a fan. 
Yeah, you know, I, I think it's one of those things that people want to say they were just there. You know, hey, I got to I got to enjoy it. I was out at the, this big game or whatever, but being just there wears off, I, I would think, really, really quickly, where you're like, okay, it's just too cold for me to be a guy sitting out there watching a hockey game. It is. It really is. It's, it's one of those, yeah, okay, I can say I did it, um, but, yeah, it's... It didn't. It didn't make my life any better, and I don't think if I would have ended, it would have made it any worse. Well, of course, there is always in that fear of missing out. So, but yeah, I see like the some commercials that. Well, last year was, you know, no, last year it was just miserable. <laughs> there was no better way to put it. There was nothing romantic about it in, in my eyes. If it was a better night out. I think they put on a really good show, a really nice production, but I just think everything got overshadowed by how incredibly cold it was. I can believe it. And wasn't, uh, unfortunately, plenty cold this year in Minnesota as well. So uh, Kevin had sort of a deja vu with, even wasn't out the game, it was still plenty cold for him this week. So, But, but a uh, lot warmer inside. The weather on New Year's Day is supposed to be around 25 degrees. So of all the years for it to be miserable, it has to be when they have an outdoor game. <laughs> well, Kevin, thanks for joining us this week. My pleasure as usual.